Thanks for joining us here on Service to School Stories. Your hosts for this season are Alec Emmert, Service to School CEO and Navy veteran. And Sydney Mathis, Chief Program Officer and former College Admissions Officer. This season will cover topics as it relates to higher education, military service transition, and career opportunities and outcomes for veterans. Join us as we share student stories, inside tips from the admissions office, and conversations with employers actively hiring student veterans. Here we go. All right, everybody, welcome to the Service to School podcast. I'm your host, Alec Emmert, CEO of Service to School. And today I have the distinct pleasure of interviewing Ricky Holder. Ricky Holder is a U.S. Navy veteran, a recent graduate of the University of Chicago, who is on his way to Oxford University, where he will be a Marshall Scholar. Ricky, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Alec. I'm so happy to be here. Well, Ricky, usually the way we uh, we kick these off is getting our, our guests' origin story. What, what made them join the military? and um, the path that they took while they were in the service. So would you mind sharing your, your background and journey to the Navy? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm originally from San Bernardino, California, which is about an hour outside of Los Angeles. I was born and in, in, raised in abject poverty until about age nine when my mother was incarcerated. And then my older brothers and I were placed in the child welfare system. And so I, would be in, I was in the foster care system for just about a decade. I moved, you know, from home to home to home. And it was this experience in foster care that initiated my enlistment in the United States Navy. Back in, in the day, so around 2011, uh, there was this you know tradition or a story that's told to foster youth uh, who are emancipating from the foster care system that when you turn 18 and you graduate high school, you return home from your high school graduation to find uh, black bags in front of your foster home, which is an indication that it's time for you to move on. So in order to evade that fate for myself, a fate that I saw play out in my brother's lives and so many other uh, foster youth lives, I decided to enlist in the, uh, first I called the Air Force and the Air Force told me they weren't taking folks for a few months and then called the Navy and there's a woman at my door 30 minutes later. So uh, I enlisted, signed a six-year contract as an information systems technician. Gotcha. So you enlisted straight out of high school? Yes, sir. Yeah. Right about a month, right out of high school, I shipped out. Wow. Um, that's, that's, uh, that's pretty intense. And so, uh, what was your, your journey? So you went to uh, boot camp, a school, and then where was your, uh, your ship based? Yeah. So first I went to uh, a command in Norfolk, Virginia called Nick Tam's Lant, which is a telecommunication station that a lot of ITs, uh, go to. I was there for about two years. And then I got orders to the USS Chancellorsville, which is now called the USS Robert Smalls, which is based out of, uh, Yokosuka, Japan. I was there from 2015 to 2017. Yeah, very cool. How was your experience on the ship, though, and and being overseas and and based in in Japan? I mean, it was a it was definitely a once in a lifetime uh, experience. I mean, I had actually no uh, intentions on going to Japan, but as uh, folks know who who served, uh, that's why they call them orders and not invitations. So I got it. I got orders originally to San Diego, and halfway across, I was driving across the country, and in Albuquerque, New Mexico, I got in a car accident. Uh, I called my ship to tell them I might be a couple minutes, a couple days late, and they told me. And I, I, I quote the first person on the phone, well, it's a good thing you're not going to have any car anymore because you won't be able to bring it with you to Japan. So that's how I found out I was uh, going to Japan. But I mean, it ended up being a, 
a blessing in disguise. I mean, Japan's a beautiful country. Uh, I got to, you know, I learned a lot about a, you know, a, a culture uh, that is so different from our own in the United States. And I got to meet so many folks from around the country, from around the United States, who I served alongside with, who I consider close friends of mine. So that I think when I when I look back on my experiences on that ship, I, I think more of a, the, the relationships I made and the, the places that I saw. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. I'm a uh, a Navy vet myself. Um, I was East Coast, um, an East Coast sailor. But um, so the the op- operational tempo in the Pacific is is pretty intense. So you must have spent a lot of time underway. And uh, what were some of the the types of places or ports you got to see while uh, while you were overseas and getting out to see a lot? Yeah. So yeah, I spent a ton of time underway. I mean, we, uh, I was part of the, the, the crew that, uh, Homeport swapped it from San Diego to, to J- Japan. So two months about, uh, after getting on board, we took the ship across the Pacific, uh, had a brief stop in Hawaii and, uh, uh got to Yokosuka in about June of 2015. And from then I went to Busan a few times. I, uh, South Korea, went to Malaysia once, and then I went to Guam more times than I, than I can count. So uh, we spent a long, you know, my ship didn't have, uh, you know, as many port visits as we have liked, but we spent a long time, you know, kind of tethered to the carrier. Um, but I mean, I don't regret any of the places that I, that I visited. I, you know, get to tell folks all the time that I got to see, for example, the, the DMZ uh, and stare into North Korea, which is an experience that I don't think I'll ever have the chance to do again. Gotcha. And did you get a, get the chance to travel around Japan at all, or were you just so so busy getting underway? No, I, I uh, took advantage of his uh, of my time in Japan. I uh, I climbed Mount Fuji within you know, a couple weeks of getting there. I went to Kyoto uh, a few times, and then you know the best part about being stationed in Yokosuka, you're about an hour train ride away from Tokyo. So virtually every weekend, I would go up to Tokyo and explore a different part. Uh, uh, of the city. And just to put things into perspective, I grew up about an hour away from Los Angeles, and I feel like I've seen more of Tokyo than I ever have seen of LA. So I um, hopefully uh, left my mark in that city as it left a mark in me. Yeah, very, uh, very cool. And what were, uh, so for our listeners, if anybody's interested in visiting, visiting Tokyo, what would your, I guess, top recommendation of a place to go in Tokyo be? Oh, there's uh, there's so much. I mean, if for for my book lovers out there, I'm a I'm a big book lover. Lover. There's a neighborhood called Jumbocho. I believe that's that's how it's pronounced. I might be mistaken. It's a uh, it's like the book uh, neighborhood. So there's uh, bookstore after bookstore after bookstore. A lot of English uh, copies as well for folks who might be interested. And they're just stacked on the sidewalk most times. So. Uh, that's kind of off the beaten path. Uh, there, there's Yoeno Park, and there's a uh, uh, outside of Yoeno Park. There's a uh, you know markets that you can go and get traditional yakitori and other Japanese foods and and goods. So uh, those two, uh, off the top of my head, aside from the uh, you know the, the things that you must see like Shibuya and Shinjuku, I would recommend folks uh, to go those two those two spots. Very cool. And um, so you did, you said you signed up for uh, for six years in the Navy. As you're getting to that that six year point, uh, were you thinking about staying in it all or were you, you dead set on on getting out? And um, did you have a plan um, when you were uh, when you were planning on leaving the Navy? Yeah, so I was uh, from the jump, I was planning on getting out. Um, it wasn't anything against the Navy. I just had always, even while I was in high school, always wanted to go to college, always wanted to get a, a pursue my education. 
Um, but my plan didn't really crystallize until probably around year four, year five. Uh, prior to that, I was just assuming I'd get out, study computer science or something of that nature and continue my career as an information systems technician. But, uh, you know, when you're out to sea, as, as folks know, you, you, you spend a lot of time thinking, you know, you're laying in that ride after night after night and gives you a lot of time to have some introspection. And I started thinking about what I wanted to do with my life. And, and that inevitably led me to think about what occurred in my life. So what occurred during my childhood and, and during my time in the foster care system. And, you know, I asked myself several questions, you know, I, why, why, for example, was I serving in the United States Navy when virtually every member of my family was serving time behind bars? Why was, why did so few foster youth make it out unscathed, uh, out of the system unscathed? And so these questions kind of instilled in me a, a passion and an unshakable you know, sense of purpose that I wanted to, whatever I studied, whatever I pursued after that, I wanted to use my education to kind of change the conditions of my childhood. And so that, you know, sparked a fire. And so I, you know, this was, you know, pre me knowing anything about the higher education landscape. I just said, I want to go to the best school that I possibly can. And so that prompted me to email, uh, a cold email, Stanford's emission, uh, admissions. Uh, um, and so that's, that was my first kind of foray into the, uh, the higher education landscape. And fortunately it was a fortuitous email because the, the gentleman that I emailed recommended, uh, uh, pretty, pretty cool, uh, nonprofit that I, that I've proud to associate with called services school. I don't know if, if you've ever uh, heard of it. <laughs> Good, good stuff. So we 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 are grateful to Stanford for uh, for the referral. Um, so so this was when you were you were wrapping up your tour on the ship, and so that's when you reached out to Stanford. Yes, right right around the five year mark, I was re reaching out to folks. Yeah, oh, that's 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 good. That's some uh, some good gouge for our um, gouge. Uh, I guess a Navy turn. I don't know if they use that in other services, but for our listeners, about a year out is is always good to start making those calls and, and reaching out to, um, to people who can help you out. Now, with the, the, the busy schedule you had with, with getting underway all the time, how, how did you balance your, uh, your college search with your, um, your, your Navy schedule? Yeah, so this, uh, this is where I would uh, recommend to folks to not do what I did. I was dead set on Stanford. I had no other uh, uh, school in mind. I said I was going to get out of the Navy. I was going to fly to Stanford. That was all I did. But it was actually my service school ambassador that told me, hey, look, you might it might be uh, beneficial for you to go to a community college first and, you know, kind of build up some academic credentials. And so that kind of transitioned uh, uh, my kind of focus into, OK, what community college should I go to? And naturally, I chose uh, a Foothill College, which is about, you know, maybe 30 minutes away from Stanford's campus, as closest to them. And that was uh, one of the only reasons why I chose that campus. But it ended up, you know, offering a range of benefits that uh, outside of my uh, Stanford mission that I'm, I'm very grateful for. Good stuff. So what um, did you, you were, you were there for a year. Is that accurate? At my community college? Yeah. Yes. I was there for about a year and a half from January, 2018 to June of 2019. So just about a year and a half. Gotcha. So you, you, you got a few courses under your belt and then, um, what what courses did you did you take early on to prepare yourself for college? Yeah, so I you know I 
took the, I mean, I think this is pretty standard, but you take this, this, uh, you know, assessment where you, uh, have to find out where you're placed in English and math. And I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to be placed in an honors English class at my community college. And I was placed in kind of like a, uh, I think it was called pre-calculus cl- uh, course. Cause I, my math skills is, I think this is pretty common amongst uh, the veterans that I've met during my journey, you know, math, uh, you know, is the first skill skill to deteriorate once you join the the military. So I was able to take those math classes, which really set up a good foundation for the kind of the quantitative work that I did at the University of Chicago. But I think it was the English course that I took because uh, the gentleman that taught the class, Dr. Scott Langford, ended up being you know a, a f- phenomenal you know part of my academic journey. He actually wrote my letter of rec- one of the letter of recommendations I used to 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 earn the Marshall Scholarship. So those first that first quarter there kind of set the foundation for everything I've done since. Gotcha. And so how many? So was did you finish one semester and then um, apply to uh, to colleges, or did you put a full full year in before you started applying to to four year colleges? Yes. Yeah, so I put in a, about a full year, but I think there's a little asterisk I gotta that gotta throw in there. So. I actually only ended up applying to one college and it wasn't uh, Stanford. Uh, it was the University of Chicago, the only school I applied to, the one school that I attended. And my, uh, the reason for doing that was kind of, again, kind of a, uh, kind of a, a lucky break, a series of lucky breaks for, for me. I mean, it, uh, about February 2018, I uh, stumbled upon something called the Warrior Scholars Project, which I'm sure a lot of folks are familiar with. And sounded like a great opportunity to go to one of these schools and, you know, kind of immerse myself in that environment. And it so happened that the only time that I could do it that summer was the week that they were hosting it at the University of Chicago. And so I signed up, went to the University of Chicago, fell in love with the campus, fell in love with the culture at UChicago, met uh, the one of the members of the admissions team, asked him how I can get in there and he recommended that they're he told me that they were partnering with an organization called the Posse Foundation and they're opening their doors for veterans for the first time. And then that December I applied and, and, and got in. And I still had to do about six more months at my community college. But it was kind of uh you know a 180 from I'm gonna only apply to Stanford to I only apply to University of Chicago. You know, I can I can see that effect though. We were uh, we were at the VetLink summit there and um it is, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, University of Chicago is a very, very special place, um, you know, beautiful campus and the support um, they give, uh, give veterans is, is pretty much second to none. So shout out to uh, UChicago and was, uh, was Bo, was Bo there um, or was that before his time? Bo came a few, I believe a few weeks after I, I got there, uh, after we were accepted. Um, but Bo has been there since the beginning and uh, he kind of, is the architect of all the support that we receive while we're on campus. So while he wasn't there for my acceptance, he was there for my thriving at the University of Chicago. Yeah. So uh, for those of you who don't know, um, Bo Butts is the um, director of, uh, of veteran services at the, uh, the University of Chicago. And um, he is a great friend of services school, the veteran community. And the University of Chicago is actually the, the top destination for our, our VetLink students. And there's a reason for that. It's because they, uh, they really do all they can to, uh, you know, to support our veteran applicants and uh, set them up for success. So um, quick, quick plug there for, for University of Chicago. Um, but all right. So, so you saw the University of Chicago um, it was a special place. You applied there. What did you do um, during the application process 
to make yourself stand out from from all the other veterans who are applying or really highlight your military service and experience so that the college admissions uh, college uh, admissions officers reading your application would, would kind of understand what you had done. Yeah, so my uh, my number one goal during the admissions process was to try to, uh, you know, obviously tell my story and tell that my my joining in the military was inextricably linked to, to, to my experience as a child or during my childhood. And so during the application process, I, you know, my application process was a bit different since we applied through the Posse Foundation and we had to fly to New York and interview. And it was, a, it was a, but prior to that, we had to submit written materials and I must've gone over my written materials of you know, hundred times changing, you know, a, a single word or two, because as veterans who have applied or who will apply, you'll find out that, you know, it's a little, you have a little bit more of a challenge when you apply, because not only do you have to contextualize your military experience, but you also, you only get the, you get the same word count as somebody fresh out of high school or, or in, in high school has. So you have to find a way to kind of tell your story in a way that, you know, highlights what you did in the military and 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 why you want to apply for this particular school and what do you want to do with your education? So I spent probably eighty five percent of my time uh, during the application process just mastering this one uh, one essay. U Chicago also has uh, for those interested in applying, they also have their quirky essays that you could apply for that you have to that you could choose to write. Um, but I don't think there's any way to prepare for that other than just once they drop, you just gotta you know write something. Gotcha. What was so? What was the uh, what were the essay topics and, um, and and how did you kind of narrow your focus there? Yeah, I think the first essay topic was you know why you Chicago um, and that, it was kind of linked to my time during that previous summer at the Warrior Scholars Project where I got to talk to faculty and staff and you know you Chicago for folks who don't know it's 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 a uh, it's got a uh, a motto where fun comes to die, but it's mainly, uh, uh, it, 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 it's an unofficial motto for, for the folks in the East Chicago legal department. It's not our official motto. Uh, but it's, 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 it's a huge school. It's a school for folks who are, you know, nerds who, who, who really love to learn for the sake of learning. Um, and that, that described me to a T and I, I, all I had to do was, you know, write about how, when I was out to sea, I would fill up, you know, you only get a limited real estate in that rack that you have. I would fill up half of it with the books that I bring on various different topics and how I was excited to bring that, that same curiosity and, and love of learning to a classroom full of folks who are unlike me. Um, another one was, I believe, what did you want to get out of your education? And I talked about my time in the foster care system and how, uh, you know, I knew so many children who, you know, didn't have the opportunity to pursue higher education. And I hope to establish a sort of beachhead for folks who uh, want to come behind me and, and pursue education uh, in their own way. Um, and so those are the two essays that I remember off the off the top of my head. Gotcha. Um, and then one, when you got to school, um, did you have to pick a major right off the bat? Or how did you go about choosing your field of study? So I chose my field of study while I was on the ship. I knew I wanted to study public policy. Um, I had one of those mini books that I bought, you know, uh, was a book about public policy. I forget the actual author's name, but uh, uh, it was basically, I, I remember the premise is that public policy is, uh, is, is problem solving. And so that's exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to solve problems on a, on a grand scale. I didn't know, and I still don't uh, to this day, I don't know what I want to do. 
I know, uh, or sorry, I don't who I want to be or what position I want to hold. I just know what problems I like to solve. And so uh, the public policy program set me up nice for that. So from day one, I, you know, I knew I was going to be a public policy major and I have not regretted that decision after four years. Awesome. And uh, talk about your uh, kind of your first year on campus, you know, how you adjusted to campus life, you know, being, being older than, you know, the, the vast majority of your peers, you know, how you, how you found a group of friends and settled in and kind of found your own niche on campus. Yeah. So uh, that first year was uh, particularly that first quarter, uh, was a huge adjustment. You know, you go from community college and I, I, I'm a firm respecter. Uh, I respect community colleges and the, the curriculum, but U Chicago is a whole other ball game. And so it was kind of adjusting to that academic life of getting, you know, uh, just taking uh, uh, L's or, you know, on a daily basis, uh, but kind of fighting your way through it. But the best part about U Chicago culture is that all students are going through the same thing. You're all getting, you know, your butt kicks on a daily basis. And so, you know, you find friends in simple study groups that you put together to try to master the material. Um, and some of those friends uh, survived uh, the pandemic because uh, um, my first year was also interrupted by the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. But I was also involved in, in all four years at the University of Chicago. I was involved at the Institute of Politics, which is uh, uh, one of the marquee institutions at the University of Chicago. It's dedicated to students who are, who are interested in public service and democracy and politics. And the folks that I met there I think formed the some of the most treasured relationships that I had during my time at the University of Chicago. And then finally, uh, I was fortunate enough to come onto campus with a group of veterans. I think there was about 14 of us who started at the University of Chicago. We're the first cohort uh, of veterans. And some of those folks, uh, most of those folks, we all lasted through the entire four years and we formed a pretty tight-knit community during our time on campus. Oh, wow. Um, gotcha. And so, did did you get together as a cohort of veterans early on, like your, you know, kind of like that that first month you get on campus? Or did you all just kind of find each other over the course of the year? Yeah, so this was the we actually knew each other before we got to campus, and this was the Posse Foundation's uh, kind of contribution to this cohort. Is that the summer before we came to the University of Chicago, we participated in this six-week program in New York City called PCT. I think it's pre-collegiate training for the cohort of veterans that are going to University of Chicago. We came, we kind of got to know each other, we learned, you know, you know, learned uh, how to kind of navigate because some of the veterans that joined uh, our cohort came straight from the military and didn't have that community college time to kind of acclimate themselves to higher education. So this is a time for them to learn what, what, what goes on on a college campus. So we all, you know, from day one, we all pretty much knew each other and knew our goals and knew what each, what we wanted to do. So that was fortunately taken care of uh, prior to even setting foot on campus. Gotcha. Um, very, uh, very, very cool. And I mean, for, for me, when I was in when I was in grad school, you know, the the tightest group of friends I had was the uh, you know the, the veteran community. I did try to to branch out and you know meet meet new people, but you do kind of default to that that core group of people who you've got those shared experiences with, and they've you know those friendships have lasted you know in the years since I've since I've graduated. But um, would be interested to hear for for our listeners, many of whom are likely considering the University of Chicago. What was your favorite course while you were there? Oh, that's a that's a tough question because I had a lot of courses that I really enjoyed, um, uh, either the course or the professor. Um, so, uh, 
just to name a couple briefly off the top of my head, there's a, a power course uh, sequence, which every Chicago student has to take uh, the core curriculum. And one of those, uh, one of the legs of that is uh, SOCH, which is, you know, social and political thought or something along those nature, uh, along those lines. And I took a, a course, a three quarter course called Power. And that first course was with the professor, uh, Sunit Singh, who, if you had a chance to take him, if you're applying to University of Chicago, write that name down because uh, he took these ancient documents and these that we were reading, or even these mid-century, middle, you know, uh, 18th, 17th, 18th century, you know, political thinkers, and he, you know, made them made us think about them in a whole new light, uh, allowed us to apply their their thought to the 21st century. So, I think I recommend that 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 class was just, you know, strictly because of his uh, his 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 teaching methods. And then uh, other courses that I took, I took a class on Adam Smith it was a uh, five of us in the class. Uh, so it was a very, and I was the only undergrad, everybody else were, were, were either in grad school or, or pursuing their, their PhD. And so we had a chance to talk about Adam Smith in a very setting. And I got to learn a lot about a guy who, who is often boiled down into the, the dude that wrote the invisible hand. So, um, so yeah, those are the two courses that come to my mind off the, off the top of my head. Awesome. Now, Tell us about the path you took to get the uh, the Marshall Scholarship. When did you learn about it, and uh, and how did you pursue it successfully? Yeah, so the Marshall Scholarship was not in my. Uh, I was not dreaming up of going to the University of Oxford while I was on the ship. That's that came way later in my journey. It was my. You know, I signed up when I first got to the University of Chicago. I signed up for virtually every newsletter that I possibly could. Um, so I can learn about all the opportunities available to me. And, you know, the, one of the newsletters was the CCRF newsletter, which is the College Center for Research and Fellowships. And they help students apply for these competitive fellowships. And so signed up for that, didn't really think much about it. Uh, and then I attended a info session and again, heard about the scholarship, but actually didn't even kind of didn't even think about it. And that was until my junior year, my third year on campus uh, was about March, 2022. I started, I started to do uh, ch- research on the child welfare systems from other countries. And I stumbled upon uh, some work that was being done in the United Kingdom. Uh, the UK was kind of reimagining what child welfare could be for their country. And that was the only country that I saw during my research uh, that was kind of thinking about child welfare in a way that elevated it to other issues that we talk about on a daily basis. And so, so for me, I was like, I want to learn more. I want to learn how this is going, how it will go, what policies they implement. So uh, the Marshall Scholarship for folks don't know is explicitly designed for folks who want to better the U.S. and U.K. relationship. And uh, and so I couldn't think of any better way to kind of pursue this interest in child welfare uh, then pursuing the Marshall Scholarship, going to going to uh, the UK and studying their child welfare system. So I applied in May of my um, my set, my third year, uh, and that's just to the campus. You don't actually send individual students do not send their applications to the Marshall Commission. You have to be vetted by your campus. And so I was fortunate enough to be selected amongst a cohort of students to to undergo a pretty much a summer long you know fellowship boot camp. So last summer. I spent getting my my materials uh, reviewed and destroyed, going through mock uh, mock interviews and and stuff of that nature until about September 20th, I believe, where you submit the official Marshall Scholarship, and then it's just a waiting game. 
uh, and so about a month later, I got an email that said I was a finalist, which means I was going to be interviewed. And then on November 8th last year, I was interviewed by the Marshall Commission. And fortunately, I, I must have did something right because I found out shortly after that they selected me for the Marshall Scholarship. Wow. You, ne you never forget those dates, huh? <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the, no, the, no. <laughs> etched, etched in stone. Um, no, that's, that's, that's awesome, man. So um, talk us through your, uh, your, your last semester a, in Chicago and, and your, your plans to move to the UK. So wrap, wrap things up. Um, I, I, I read a um, pretty cool news story about a uh, speaker at Chicago's graduation. Um, <laughs> so you might share that story as well as your kind of your, your journey now back to uh, California and uh, your plans to head to Oxford. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So my last uh, quarter at the University of Chicago was one of the most rewarding quarters of my time at the university because a lot of great news came came out. Stuff that, you know, I when I initially joined, uh, was pursuing my higher education at the University of Chicago, I had very modest goals. I just wanted a you know, good GPA, maybe set myself up for a good career or, or application for law school. But things turned out way different. So one, uh, one of the opportunities I had was that I was a class speaker for our graduation for our class day and so I got to address the you know the graduating class of 2023 and their families and I talked about you know public service and the fact that no matter what career you go into no matter what path you pursue you have a, not only an opportunity but a responsibility to serve others I also was fortunate enough to be named the inaugural winner of the Hugo F. Sonnenshine uh, Medal of Excellence at the University of Chicago, which is awarded to the top uh, uh, undergrad at the school. And it's awarded to folks who, uh, a lot like a lot of veteran students, who are interested in public service, who, who are dedicated to academics, and who, uh, who, who show uh, potential, uh, leadership potential. And so, you know, graduated in June, uh, spent the summer interning uh, in, the, uh, in Chicago, and then a couple of weeks ago, in anticipation of my move to the United Kingdom, I moved back to California for a few weeks to visit with family. And then uh, in a couple of short weeks, I'll be heading off to University of Oxford, where I'll be pursuing my infill in comparative social policy, which is a two-year program that's going to allow me to study the child welfare systems of multiple advanced countries. Uh, and hopefully during those time, during that time, during that, during these studies, I can kind of find some insights in how to improve the child welfare system of our country, and maybe how to improve the child welfare systems of countries around the world. Yeah, that's, that's just so, so impressive. And so that basically what, from hearing your story, you, you started out with the, the one very basic goal to fix the problem you had encountered when you were growing up, you leveraged the resources the military provided. Uh, for you, and then made the most of your experience in college, and you're just you're just getting warmed up, man. It's what it sounds like to me. No, yeah, and I I, uh, I appreciate everything S2S has done. For now. As a brief uh, anecdote, my initial service to school ambassador is Rob Henderson, who this is just uh, amazing on S2S parts to pair me with somebody like him. He was also in the foster care system, and he also ended up studying in the UK. At Cambridge, so I'm, uh, you know, I, I, I guess you know whoever whoever's in charge of pairing uh, ambassadors with with applicants did a fantastic job. So shout out to S2S. Uh, well, thank thank you so much. It's you know it's people like you that that's really the reason that we we do what we do. Um, and um, so 
this part of the interview, I, I like to turn it over to the uh, the interviewee and just share some some words of wisdom with our uh, with our listeners. Yeah, I think if I had to kind of distill, you know, my journey down to a couple couple words of wisdoms, I would just say don't, you know, it's kind of sometimes the best advice is the most cliche advice. And to veterans, I would just say don't self self select yourself out uh, of any any process, you know, whether it's just applying for school or, or applying for one of these competitive fellowships. I mean, the experiences that you have is valuable and is is very unique. So don't don't ever count yourself out. Uh, and for uh, just a bit of, I guess, academic advice, um, for when you get on campus, whether it's at your community college, whether it's at your, uh, uh, you know, your four-year institution, uh, hopefully that's University of Chicago, but wherever you end up going, I give two pieces of advice is that one, uh, don't do what I did my first year, which is I went wide. Uh, I, I kind of stretched myself in and participated in every single thing I wanted to do. Uh, instead, go deep with one or two things that you really enjoy doing. For me, that was the Institute of Politics, and I got such an awarding experience out of that. And then second advice is uh, do your readings. Uh, so you get excited, especially in University of Chicago, you might get assigned two, 300 pages of readings a week. For me, that was, you know, when you go into class and you read the material, you're, you're in for a much better learning experience than, than you did when you just walking in there having read, you know, a couple sentences in the way in, in the door. So those are the, the advice that, that I have and happy to give more for folks who want to get a hold of me. Absolutely. Ricky, thank you so much um, for your, for your time here and the, the words of wisdom you've, you've shared with our listeners. Um, so, so inspirational and cannot wait to see uh, all that you do um, from here on out. And thank you so much, Alec, and, and Service to School. It's been, it's been such an honor to be a part of this community. That's all we have for this episode. Join us next week, same time, same place, where we share more Service to School stories. Service to School Stories is hosted by Sydney Mathis, Chief Program Officer, and Alec Emmert, Service to School CEO. Our podcast is produced and edited by our Director of Communication, Amanda Tobias. Service to School is a 501c3 nonprofit providing free college admission support to transitioning service members and veterans. Join us next week and follow us for more on your favorite social media platforms.